And that's part of the beauty of social media, um, where if you're feeling like you are the only one who, here is this place, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or Clubhouse, where you can be put in front of people who you maybe will never meet in your real life, but you can feel seen and you can feel heard. You can also help others be seen and help others feel heard by simply being yourself. And and that for me helped me to you know, embrace my body at different stages in my life, whether it was battling an autoimmune disease and putting on 40 pounds and having new curves that I'd never had before, or simply just embracing even my queerness coming out as being bisexual, you know, or being a woman of color and realizing, oh, wait a minute, you know, um, you know, you, you need to be visible and you need to be representation, even if you're not calling it out, but simply by putting your face out there into the world um, or the different mistakes that I've made, the losses that I've had, the trauma that I've overcome, the anxiety that I struggle with every single day. Welcome to That's What She Said, the podcast for empowering women. My name is Lucienne Shakir and as a female empowerment specialist, I'm a woman who knows what it's like to lose their mind through a lacking of female sense of self and identity. My aim is to share stories from women around the world to help you see that you are not on your own. If you feel that you are lost in the sea of who am I, these collections of conversations are for you. Sit back and enjoy listening to this phenomenal collective of female voices in That's What She Said. Today I speak with the incredible Giselle Ugarte, who empowers people to build meaningful online communities with action-forward coaching, strategy, and tools. I loved speaking with her and the energy that she brings to her conversations is so phenomenal. She talks about the importance of diversity of thought around us and not simply hanging out in our echo chambers. She talked about abundance mindset, media coming out as being bisexual, and bringing people up with us on our way to true empowerment. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. I had such a brilliant time and I find her so inspirational. Please do look her up and enjoy listening. Today I have the incredible Giselle Ugarte with us and she has been an inspiration to me in a very short time, the last four weeks or so on a new platform. I have been listening to her and she has really resonated with me because of her incredible voice. Um, She is a motivational speaker, marketing consultant, performance coach, and the founder of Action Forward, which she started in 2021. So I'd love to hear how she got to that journey um, uh, to setting that up today. So would you like to introduce yourself, Giselle? Welcome to That's What She Said. Thank you so much. I mean, you you pretty much summed it up right there. And I think what's so important to acknowledge is simply the fact that I didn't set out to pursue these careers. <laughs> they really, truly found me. And, and it all started from when I was getting out of 
college here in the US and I didn't have a job lined up and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do or what I was capable of. And I didn't realize at the time that it was really setting me up to have a fully open mind and to never be above certain positions to, to try to figure out how to, you know, make money, but also how to do things that truly make you happy and set your soul on fire. And, you know, I, I've, I've lived in so many different places and I've worn a lot of different hats. And in some cases I wear a lot of the different hats at once. And that's how I found my career. You know, social media wasn't, wasn't something that I studied. It wasn't really something that I, I thought would, would be a huge <laughs> portion of what it is that I do, but here we are. And I'm so very grateful that I've been able to have, you know, many dream jobs, not just one. And, and, really, you know, explore new things and, um, and what's the word I'm looking for, but, but, um, refresh, recharge, you know, re-identify. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to use the word pivot, yeah, but yeah. like really just Amazing. evolve as, evolve as a human. Mm, amazing. I talk about being human a lot and being a woman. And I think sometimes, especially in the corporate world, we lose sight of what it means to be human, what it means to be a woman. And we're talking today about finding our voices and being inspiring to others. And your story is truly inspirational. There's a few things that I've been picking up on where, as we've been listening to you um, on our new favorite platform, kind of, sort of. Um, and I would love to discuss with you the support network that you have that's enabled you to find your voice. So we'll talk about you empowering yourself, but also what network do you have around you? You've mentioned your father a number of times. Um, could you tell me a bit about that? You know, my my dad has definitely be a, been a constant in my life. Um, he is somebody who has loved me and supported me and shown me what it is to have unconditional love for my whole life. And for that, I am extremely grateful. He is always the last phone call before I go to bed and always has been. We've always had a great relationship. Interestingly enough, and, and this is what I find so interesting, especially as, you know, especially within, you know, women, we talk a lot about daddy issues. And truly, he he wasn't around very much when I was growing up, but we never had issues. I always knew that he was there. I always mm -hmm. knew that he was supporting me. And I think a big, a big thing that I, I, I learned or that I have learned now that I'm an adult is he never made false promises to me. He never said, oh, I'll try to be there or, oh, I'll be there and then didn't show up. It was pretty apparent that dad was going to be working and that in order for me to be pursuing all of those dreams, he was working. And so if he did show up, it was the best surprise in the world. And if he didn't show up, that was just how life was and how great to be able to then give him a recap and a hug and, and, and let him know everything that had happened or watch the video together or have our, our Sundays together. And so for that, I'm, I'm very grateful, but you know, with him, he, he never, ever tried to put me in a box. He never tried to create a ceiling. If anything, to this day, he sees dreams bigger than I see for myself. And for that, I'm also very grateful, but I grew up with two older brothers and with them came all of the different sports teams. And our house was always full of primarily boys and there was never a one or the other type of a thing. If anything, I was just the baby sister and I was, you know, the little girl and I learned very quickly how to adapt to, you know, working with boys, which I understand is something that a lot of women can be intimidated by. And if anything, that's 
kind of my comfort zone is, is being around a lot of boys mm-hmm. or now a lot of men. That for me is, is my comfort zone, knowing that like, you know what, it's not so scary over there. There's really not that, that big of a difference. Um, other than in some cases, the glass ceiling that we put above our own heads and that limiting belief. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for, for a very long time, I've been told, you know, Giselle, you're such a great role model for women. I'm like, thank you. That's great. But like, why, when we tell women how wonderful they are, why do I say you're such a great role model for women? Why don't we say you're such a great role model, period? Because you are. There are certainly some women who feel more comfortable working with other women. And that's great. If that's your choice and that's your decision, wonderful. But how horrible it is if you have, you know, a man and a woman or any person who is on a stage and when the man gets off, you say, oh my God, that, you know, that was so awesome. You're such a great role model. But then when the woman gets off, women were looking up to you everywhere. No, everybody was looking up to her everywhere. We're living in a world where it's not weird, for example, for a man to wear a woman's football jersey. Times are a-changing. And if you think that Mm -hmm. women can only lead other women, then you are seriously, seriously missing out. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. part of even my my branding journey in terms of my career path and, and in terms of the world of marketing, we're often told that we have to choose our audience, right? Like we have to have a persona. We have to think about exactly who it is that we're talking to. And I would, you know, go into meetings for different projects or products and, and okay, who's your audience? And they would right away put me to the box of like, okay, she's for sure like a millennial female. And I'm like, I really don't, I don't think she's a female to be honest with you. And very recently, you know, I, I, it clicked for me where I was like, you know what, my audience, my, when I think about my demo, I think about, you know, three different people, but the core of it, it's not a woman. It's actually a man. And it's actually a girl dad, very specifically mm-hmm. a girl dad who is happily married, who is, you know, successful in his career, wants to take things to the next level and how wonderful it was to be able to fully embrace that. And just know that the gut instinct I had my whole life of, you know, trying to fit into the box of what made everybody else comfortable was not actually the case. And you see all of these huge, you know, male speakers, the Tony Robbins and the Brendan Burchards, and you look out into their audience and it is a full mix, you know, full mixed bag, men, women, all colors, all sexual orientations, all industries, you know, it it shouldn't have to, to be where a woman gets on stage and she can only cater to women. Again, if she wants to, great. And I recognize that. And we need more of that. But I look forward to seeing more women, especially in the marketing industry, to be able to attract the same authority and to be able to attract the same very different type of audience. And so never limit yourself, especially if you feel comfortable in that arena. And just know that I think another mistake that I made too was thinking that in a room full of men, there's only room for one of you. In actuality, one of you can make room for more of you. And, and that's, you know, a a Mm -hmm. huge, huge thing that I wish that I would have learned sooner. And, um, you mentioned the support system in general, you know, I've had my dad, I've had my mom as well. They were high school sweethearts. They got married. Um, and I'll be honest, my biggest regret in my career is not leaning on other people sooner and specifically not leaning on other women sooner. 
I was very stubborn, um, at the same time, very insecure. I didn't know other people that had big, wild, crazy dreams like me. I thought that I was alone in this, this journey. And, um, and so (laughs) I mean, truly I I did. I I really, and I, I, I pursued a career in Hollywood. I, I, I did entertainment news for a very long time and Hollywood is very cutthroat. I was scared to even take a vacation because I thought that whoever was filling in for me could potentially take my job. And so in that world, it was major walls up. It was major trust issues. And I really didn't lean on anyone. I was very proud um, in, in, in the good ways and the bad ways where I'm like, well, I did it all by myself. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't need an agent. I didn't need a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I didn't need a mentor, but then fast forward, um, when, you know, later, later in my career, having aha moments, having incredible mentors, having a female mentor and just going, man, if I have any regrets in my career, it's, it's not leaning on other people sooner. Um, again, Rightfully so why I had some trust issues. I went to a super catty high school. I definitely had some of those cutthroat instances within my career. But when you're confident, you're not afraid of of missing out. You're not afraid of the scarcity mindset. Um, You are all about abundance. You believe that there's room for everyone to win. And so now very much the way that I look at my career is absolutely. I want to support you. Um, you know, I want to make room for you. I always ask for a plus one whenever given an opportunity. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I, I tried to be the support system to others that I didn't have, whether that's in my immediate tight knit circle or with the different content that I'm putting out to the world online. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And I laugh because, you know, you were talking about how you were often the one that stuck out in your peers as the one who was really aspirational. And that that happens a lot with the people that I work with. They are the black sheep. They are the ones who are doing things that seem crazy to their peer group. And, you know, this is a great thing about what I'm experiencing at the moment is there's more and more of us who are coming together and we are asking for help and the the industry of support and mentorship and coaching is really booming. Some of it not great, admittedly, that's my opinion. Some of it absolutely wonderful. So um, it's fascinating. And that's why I had a little giggle when you were talking about, you know, being this really aspirational person in your peer group. So what's it like for you then when you find yourself in a room with these highly influential people. So you, we, we talked about Brendan Bouchard, Gary Vee. You mentioned uh, Dr. Gabor Mate in your in your website as well. Um, what do you take away from that? How does that lift you in, in using your voice? Do you feel encouraged by those people and those inspirational figures? Do you feel you want to do things differently? How does that affect you? Every now and then, you know, something that I shared very recently was just because it's good doesn't mean that it's good for you. And there are times in my life where, for the most part, I want to be surrounded by people who are doing what I want to do and on a very big way. I want to be surrounded by people who are smarter than me. I want to be surrounded by people who think differently than I do, who vote differently than I do, who love differently than I do for the sake of just having diversity of thought versus the echo chamber of people in my immediate life who might just smile and nod at everything that I'm saying. But every now and then I find myself uh, feeling like I'm trapped in that area of comparison of, 
oh my God, they're so much further ahead than I am. Or, oh my God, they're already doing what I'm doing, want to do. So why do I even bother to try? Um, you know, I, I think about sometimes whether I'm reading a book of somebody's or I'm following them on social media every now and then I need to hit that mute button. I do, you know, or in some cases unfollow button where I'm like, you know what, this just isn't making me feel good right now. And it's nothing with you. It's just for some reason mm -hmm. I'm in my head and I need to take a step back and reset and remind myself of what I uniquely have to offer. I also sometimes even find that where, um, in that place of comparison, I think that I need to be a certain way. So for example, as a speaker, um, I don't use slides. I very rarely use slides. If I do, it's because, um, you know, maybe it's one, one demonstration or one picture and I really don't, I don't, I don't like to do it, but I oftentimes will, will get caught in that. Like, well, should I do like, should I use slides? <laughs> you know, or like, but, but he uses, or, but she uses slides. Mm -hmm. Like, should I, but it looks so pretty and it's so nice. Or, or I think about the different templates on Instagram or, you know, all of these beautiful, like editorial type pictures. I'm like, should I get it? photographer? And should I like, you know, I just, I find myself just trying to, you know, figure out like, okay, do I want to level up in which case we can talk about those things? Or is it that I think I am less than because I am doing things differently, even in the way that a lot of times when I show up to these speaking opportunities, I show up with sneakers on that's kind of my thing. <laughs> and where I used to show up and I would have the blazer and the gigantic heels and the, you know, just everything was, was perfect, you know, to a T perfect. Um, but for me, I'm like, yeah, but I'm just so much more comfortable in this. And if every other guy mm -hmm. can get away with this, you know, you look at Gary Vaynerchuk, you mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk, dude wears the same t-shirt and jeans and sneakers and like sometimes a beanie everywhere okay. he goes, <laughs> everywhere he goes. I think I've seen him wear a suit once and it was for like a fundraiser or something. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if he can do that, why can't, why can't I do that? You know, for, for someone to, you know, so it's, it's just like the little dances that you're doing in your head. I absolutely do them too. And, um, and by the way, you're not a black sheep, you're a unicorn. <laughs> um, you are a visionary, no, I love you it. are, I love it. um, you know, it, it is, um, it is a beautiful thing, but that's also why I think I love clubhouse so much and why you and I, for example, it's like, um, I read my favorite, my, one of my favorite quotes in the world. It was, uh, Melinda Gates mentioned it in her book called a moment of lift. And she says, you don't, you don't meet a great friend. You recognize her. You don't meet a great friend. Mm -hmm. You recognize her. And Again, going back to just that scarcity that. mindset that I used to have into like, oh my God, like she dreams as big as I do. Like, oh, that's competition, you know, or like, oh, she looks like I do. That's, that's competition. Um, and, and that's really not what it is. What I have found, and I'm, again, my biggest regret is as I've gone later in life, um, finding these people who also feel like they are the only ones who when you band together, when you start having conversations, especially uncomfortable ones, like about money and about relationships and, and all of that, um, the things that are typically considered taboo or letting out your secrets are just the BS things. Um, that, that is actually where the magic happens. And I, you know, I really, truly, again, I can't emphasize enough. Most of, most of my career, I was working with all boys 
And most of my, if not, Mm -hmm. except for one, most of my leadership, all men. And I was always the only one. And I found power actually being the only one, the only woman, the only woman of color, you know, the youngest person in the room. I, I, I very much like puffed up my chest because of that. But I'll never forget there was this one day when I heard the Jim Rohn quote, which is, you are the average of the five people who you spend the most time with. Yeah. Not, not the people who you love the most, not the people who you wish you could spend the most time with, but the, the people who you actually spend the most time with. And really think about that. Like really think about ho- who those people are. And I wasn't so much concerned about the status of these people, because if anything, I do feel like, you know, it's not about just having the richest or the smartest people in your five, but it's also, you know, who's going to keep you grounded? Who's going to remind you to love yourself? Who's going to keep you positive? But I also noticed that all of my five, when I heard that quote, looked exactly the same. They were all people who I worked with. They were all in the same industry. There was like no diversity of thought or appearance whatsoever. And for someone who wanted to be a great role model and a trailblazer, I was not doing a good job of opening up those opportunities for other people. And so when I, when I started to really make a conscious effort of making sure that my five, whether it's people who I'm interacting with in real life or the people who I am seeing on my social media feed, it honestly took me to a different level of granting myself permission to be who I am and figure out who that is because all of a sudden I was seeing beauty in different ways. I was seeing love in different ways. I was seeing success in different ways. And that's part of the beauty of social media, um, where if you're feeling like you are the only one who, here is this place, whether it's Instagram or TikTok or Clubhouse, where you can be put in front of people who you maybe will never meet in your real life, but you can feel seen and you can feel heard. You can also help others be seen and help others feel heard mm-hmm. by simply being yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and that for me helped me to you know, embrace my body at different stages in my life, whether it was battling an autoimmune disease and putting on 40 pounds and having new curves that I'd never had before, or simply just embracing even my queerness coming out as being bisexual, you know, or being a woman of color and realizing, oh, wait a minute, you know, um, you know, you, you need to be visible and you need to be representation, even if you're not calling it out, but simply by putting your face out there into the world um, or the different mistakes that I've made, the losses that I've had, the trauma that I've overcome, the anxiety that I struggle with every single day. You know, social media really truly has been a tool of visibility um, rather than this crazy trap of comparison, which it can be. But again, when you're consciously realizing Mm -hmm. I am in full control of my feed. I am in full control of who I follow. I am full control and full control of deciding whether this is real or helpful or true. That can change your relationship with social media ultimately and also help you shape your relationship with yourself and your dreams. So dream bigger if you need to. Do not play small. You know, there are so many of you who I know are listening to this and you didn't even realize that you were playing small, but you're totally playing small. And who do you need to follow to give yourself permission (laughs) to not hide behind those doors anymore? 
Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. You can see why I wanted Giselle to be on the podcast in the first series so desperately, because she is um, she is somebody who can use her voice. Voice. Sorry to talk about you in the third person, Giselle, but you know, I, I think I think it's really important to identify the fact that that you speak from the heart, and as I watch you talking. There is no, there is no overthinking what you're saying. You are simply speaking your truth. How long does it take to get to that point? I mean, you talked about being in your head, and this is something that I talk about all the time. And by the way, just to circle back on the diversity piece of what you say, it is extraordinary to hear somebody who is this motivational person, iconic person, leading their own business who has made that decision for themselves. Because I work in organizations where it's a tick box exercise of bringing in diversity of gender and of race. And, you know, when we talk about ableism, so to hear somebody of their own volition going, this is important to me, that makes my heart sing. So thank you so much. But anyway, back to the question. No, and really quickly, I think it's important to just mention, you know, it's 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 not even a request anymore. It is a demand. When mm. someone asks me to speak, to be on a panel, uh, to be a part of a campaign, I will say, you know, just, you know, even while we're talking about budget and even while we're figuring out dates, you know, I want to be a part of something that is diverse and I want it to be inclusive, you know, in, in race, gender, ability. And, um, and I will even, you know, go, go out of my way. Um, my mentor from very afar, Jamie Kern Lima, who I've had the honor to, to meet once, maybe twice at this point now, um, something that she said on stage was always ask for a plus one always ask for a plus one. Mm -hmm. And I interpret it slightly differently where most of the time when I'm given an opportunity, I will ask for a plus one, you know, Hey, I know somebody else who is really awesome at this. Could I invite them as well? Or if it's a topic of conversation, when it comes to that diversity, I will say, um, you know, I want to make a demand that we have this um, if you're struggling with this, or if you need me to recommend people to you, please let me know. You can tap into my network and make it as easy as possible or right on the spot. Here are three people who you should reach out to who would also be awesome for this because sometimes they don't even realize what they're doing and, and they could actually be exceptionally grateful by you simply stating that. So I, I want to challenge anyone who's listening to this next time you get an opportunity, ask for a plus one ask for a plus one, even if it's bringing another female right along with you or your sister or your mom. But, but again, who is somebody who is going to benefit from that conversation or give something to that conversation or that opportunity, um, who could potentially offer a different perspective besides just your own. And that's really, really important. And we're so much more in control of it than we think. It's so important. And we have a responsibility to use our voices to to empower others to to join us, to come with us and to create their own greatness. Um, I love that. That's incredible. So you talk about being in your head. And this is something I discuss in my coaching. You know, if we could all step outside of our minds and hold up the mirror and, and be apart from ourselves and take the moment to be a bird's eye view then we'd all be wonderful. We'd all be great all of the time, but we don't do that. And you said you remove yourself from the comparisonitis on social media. You've learned to recognize that for yourself. What other things do you do to help yourself get out of your head? Um, a lot of women that I work with, a lot of men too, 
but women especially have a voice that is guilt driven, that is that goes unchecked, unchallenged for such a long time that it builds up this pattern of thinking in those neural pathways, which is just the easiest way to fire through. So what can we do to break that and to challenge ourselves when we're not working with a coach or a mentor? Definitely. I mean, I do think that when when you can certainly work with a coach or a mentor or in many cases, a therapist, which I know for some people that is still very taboo um, or it seems like it is unattainable, but doing the work and understanding that you are truly a work in progress. I don't have it all figured out. I've just gotten more confident at figuring it out because of all the times I've fallen on my face and gotten back up or lost, you know, a lot of things and then figured it out again. So, you know, Mm. when you can get help, definitely get the help that you need. A couple of practical things for me, I noticed that my relationship with alcohol wasn't awesome. I don't think I had an alcohol problem, definitely not an alcoholic, but I was an alcohol misuser and you might be too. Like really think about that. An alcohol misuser. When you are reaching for that glass of wine or that bottle of vodka, is it because you just had a great day and you just want to loosen up a little bit? Or is it because you are afraid to feel feelings? Is it because you are stressed out? Is it because you are angry? Is it because you want to be numb? You know, all of those different things. You want you want to avoid the world entirely or you want more confidence even. Is it because you are looking for confidence in that social situation, on that date, um, before you get on camera? And they call it liquid courage for a reason, but... I simply mm-hmm. noticed that for me, I, I was very much misusing it. I wasn't drinking every day, by the way, like by any stretch of the word, I would take breaks from alcohol pretty often. And it even just a few, uh, not even a, a full month ago, I woke up on a weekend, the sun was coming up. I was feeling fresh. I was at a hotel. I was on a girl's weekend trip and I, I had not had a drink probably at that point, maybe in two or three weeks, but I just felt so fresh and so clear. And I just had words on my heart that were written and said, I don't want to drink alcohol anymore. I don't want to drink alcohol anymore. Mm. And and who knows if that's indefinitely or for the foreseeable future, or if that's forever. I don't know. That's my prerogative and I can decide. But for you, you know, there's nothing wrong with alcohol unless you know that it's not right for you. And where I'm at in my life and, and, how I want to be. I want to feel, I want to remember, I want to be present. I'm getting to a point now to where memories of my childhood and even memories of college are not as clear as they used to be. And I want to remember, (laughs) I I want, I want to, you know, feel like every, even, even the bad stuff, especially the bad stuff. And so, um, you know, whether maybe it's not alcohol for you, maybe it's a person, but again, if you know that something is not right for you, it's, it's, you know, holding you back in any way, it's creating brain fog in any way it is, you know, and, and really it was a question that came up in another podcast for, for me. Um, it was an interview between Melissa Urban and Holly Whitaker. Melissa Urban is the creator of the diet regimen, the whole 30 Holly Whitaker wrote the book, quit like a woman, which is fantastic by the way. Mm-hmm. And it was simply the question, yeah. Yeah. um, is alcohol keeping you from achieving your dreams pause as quickly as you would like. 
is alcohol keeping you from achieving your dreams as quickly as you would like? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. You know, thinking about some of the Mondays where I showed up as a shell of myself or the headaches that I had on Thursday from doing the wine Wednesdays or, you know, just the, yeah. the, the throwing away the Friday because we went all out on the Thursday, you know, and, and whether that was one day out of the month or if it was four or maybe five, you know, regardless or, or losing the whole weekend that I wanted to be productive because we went out a little too hard. Wow. So you know, yeah. I know some of you feel personally attacked as I'm talking about this. And again, I'm not saying that alcohol is for nobody. It's just not for everybody. And if you just feel that, that pull on your heart, like, oh man, like I, I hate doing this. I hate how I feel. I don't want to do it anymore. Then consider leaning into what, what that looks like. Um, and then also, hmm. I do think that it is important to have moments of quiet and moments of silence and moments of recharge. I remember in my mid twenties, I would come home to my apartment and if my roommate wasn't home and if I didn't have any plans that night, I felt like there was something wrong with me. If my schedule was not full that week, I felt like I was never going to make it. Um, I would find myself struggling with insomnia because to me, that would mean here's one more day that goes by that I'm not achieving my dream. And so I think it's really important to learn to, to learn to listen to all of the voices in your head, like all of them. Cause I feel like part of mm -hmm. why they're so scary is because we've silenced them for so long or because we've tricked ourselves into believing something else. So, you know, I think about everything that was 2020 in the pandemic, had this happened five, six, seven years ago, I would have been miserable. I probably would have been drinking all the time. I would have been calling every ex-boyfriend. Um, you know, like I would have just been completely destructive. That's fascinating. Yeah. I, you know, I always wanted to have plans. I needed to be out every Friday, every Saturday, every, you know, I always had to be doing something or traveling somewhere. And now like 2020, I'm so comfortable at home. You guys, I'm having more anxiety about things opening up <laughs> having to leave my house. I had no idea that in actuality, my whole life, I thought I was an extrovert. As it turns out, I am very much not an extrovert. I am very, very much um, a, an introvert. A lot of what I do is performative, but a lot of what I do I can do being by myself on a stage, being by myself in my office, being by myself on camera. And so while I love, I do love people. I do love people. I love hugs more than anything in the world. I just noticed mm -hmm. that I am someone that for me to recharge, I actually need to be by myself. But for way too long, mm -hmm. I was not giving myself that permission to recharge. What an amazing learn to have come from the pandemic for you that that helps you to recharge your energy and boost your bars. And I, I find that I find that fascinating that through through the five years ago, had it have happened five years ago, just how different the experience could have been for you. And just just to challenge anybody that's listening to to how they are responding to things now compared to how they might have been responding, because that is a surefire way of understanding your growth and from seeing where you've where you've come to on your experience and on your journey. I find that absolutely fascinating. You also um, mentioned something that I think is really important, which is the the separation from your thoughts. Yes. 
um, a friend of mine who is an actual psychologist and she coaches high level CEOs. She mentioned to me, she's like, it's not a, it's not a rumor. Really, truly your brain does fully develop around the time when you are about 27. Mm -hmm. Sometimes for women, it can be a little bit sooner. And for men, it can be a little bit later, but there's something that happens when you're in your late twenties and depending on where you're at with doing the work, where your, your frame, your brain fully develops and you actually can start to physically start telling the difference between your thoughts and what is actually true. And I remember this distinct moment where I was at lunch um, with, with my dad and with my brother. And there's this phrase that my brother used to always use, and, and, I, and he still does from time to time, but I've kind of schooled him at this point, where he would say, guys don't like that, or guys don't like girls who. And I, I believed every single thing that he said up until that moment. And that's part of what really shaped me um, as, 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 a, as a human. I mentioned earlier how I didn't have daddy issues, but I think I had maybe some big brother issues um, because he was so much older uh-huh. than I yeah. was. And because mm-hmm. he did play that role of a father figure. And, and it was trying to reach this irrational level of perfection and standard that he had set, not for me, but in the way that he would talk about other women or people who he was dating. And so he, you know, he would use that mm-hmm. phrase, well, guys don't like girls who this guys. And, and I remember being at that lunch and for the first time thinking, no, you don't like girls who fill in the blank. You, and, and he was like, Brittany, what? I'm like, no, you don't like that. Just like I don't like guys who, whatever, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so that I think was, was actually a defining moment for me of learning how to separate self from thoughts, self from that awareness. And mm. since then, have been doing things, whether subconsciously or intentionally, to better figure out how to separate those things, separate ego from thought. And I remember, you know, for, I've been I've been meditating for a very long time. I, I used to do, I started doing yoga back in college, and and there's no right or wrong way to do it. I really don't believe that there is a right or wrong way to do it. You know, however you want to do it is what works. But I remember when I first started meditating and specifically inside of yoga class, for me, that was my time to just pray or be in my thoughts. Fast forward to now, when I meditate, there is no sense of time. It is, um, I heard a description once and I think it's, you know, from some great philosopher, but like, I truly am a passenger of my thoughts. Like I will sit, I will turn mm-hmm. on my music. It will not be guided. And I just sit back and I am transported into this universe where I am just sitting. And just like I would be people watching or watching the ocean or the river, or, you know, just looking at the clouds, that's how I feel in my head. And I let my mind go wherever it wants to go. And it's not a matter of, you know, letting it go down this rabbit hole because that would be active thought. That's me. That's me controlling my thoughts. <laughs> but just mm-hmm. sitting and watching and, but notice how, remember I told you, I started meditating more than 10 years ago. This has been yeah. a 10 year journey of practice. Everything that you do takes practice. Every single thing, time management takes practice. Confidence Absolutely. takes practice. Meditation Absolutely. takes practice. Interviews take practice. 
Some people mm-hmm. just have more experience doing it than others, or some people are more intentional mm-hmm. about their practice than others. But it took me 10 plus years to get to that point. And I know that some people are listening to this going, you're crazy. Like that does Giselle, that, do you know how insane you sound right now? Yes. Yes, I do. But <laughs> again, <laughs> you don't sound insane to me. This is, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is what I, I preach. And I don't like to use the word preaching, but this is what I talk about all the time. You know, no one is born confident. No one is born more confident than another person. And I talk about imagining yourself as a seven-year-old with the buckets in front of you. Some buckets have been filled with the confidence pebbles or the confidence water. Some buckets haven't. Where can you translate or transfer those skills? Some people have got loads of full buckets and that helps with the self-belief and the competence to be able to carry yourself forward. Some people have only got a couple of buckets that are full, so they have to work a bit harder. But no one can step into something brand new and be any better than anyone else without having either bigger or smaller reserves and just know that practice, 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 practice all the time. I absolutely love that. Um, So meditation for me is something that I'm still working on. People look to me as as an executive coach and they think I've got it all figured out. And a client said to me recently, and I absolutely (laughs) love it. No, I don't. They said to me, you're not one of these people that puts themselves across as as a finished article. And I'm not because none of us are. We're always learning, always learning. And I don't want to be this picture of perfection, veneer of perfection, because that's what so many people are struggling against. You mentioned comparison and competition. If we only see the very best of people, we can't rationalize in that split second between what reality is and what we're looking at. So I think that's a really interesting point that you mentioned. And I love the meditation thing because I'm going to take a leaf out of your book and start working on my meditative skills. I think that's a great, great thing to bring up. Thank you. You also just mentioned something so wonderful, which was the fact that you are willing to admit that you're still learning and you're still a work in progress. Oh, yeah. Because I used to think that confidence meant you had it all figured out. And if you didn't, that you were really good at showing that you had it all figured out. And if anything, Mm. what I'm finding more and more of is confidence is just your willingness to show up exactly as you are, whatever that looks like for you. If you think that you Mm -hmm. are the smartest person in the room and that you have it all figured out, then that is your time to then have a seat. If you think that you are better than anybody else, that is your time to just sit back, (laughs) relax Mm -hmm. and learn. And, and I, you know, the, the older I get, the more that I realize is that there are actually different tiers of confidence. And, and what I've found so far the first tier of confidence I noticed was when you get validation from somebody else. Maybe it was, you know, the, the first person who had a crush on you or who, who pursued sued you like back in school, or maybe it was your your mom telling you how beautiful you were, or maybe you got an A and it, and it was for achievement, but it was for something that you did or or that recital, you nailed that dance or, or whatever it was. And, and that was the first level where you got validation from something else. And you realize, mm-hmm. oh, I'm doing something right. I'm doing something good. This is this is the right thing to do. And so that confidence came out of, you know, action or, or appearance or from doing. Then the next level of confidence is when you realize like, oh, actually, it's not about 
what I was doing, it's actually, it's, it's in me. I've had it the whole time. I just didn't know. And I can, I can pull it out whenever and it it can be my superpower and I can activate it. And I don't need somebody else to tell me that I'm this. I know that I'm this, like I am, I am this, I am wonderful. I am magical. I am beautiful. I am great. But at the same time, it can also be taken away just as easily, you know? And then I think the third Mm -hmm. level is when you realize, um, no, it's, it's actually, it's actually not that it, it, it can't be taken away. You are in full control of it, but how wonderful it is when you can actually bestow those things on other people. And it's not just a matter of mm-hmm. how, you know, the, the best, uh, visual that I ever heard was simply when, when you light somebody else's candle, that doesn't take away from your flame. If anything, you're creating more light for other people. And so that third level of, of actually realizing that, no, you, it is your responsibility to show other people what this is, what this light is, bottle it up and, and give it away like candy. It will not diminish, mm-hmm. you know, it's not something that, 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 um, you know, you can lose or that you have a limited supply of, it's something that you can give out to other people. And so when you get to that place and you recognize that, Hey, just because your mindset is different from mine or your meditation practice is different from mine or your bank account looks different from mine, that doesn't make me, that shouldn't make me any more insecure or any less confident. That's just differences. And in some cases, preferences, Mm -hmm. because there are plenty of people Mm -hmm. who who look at me and they're like, oh, I would not want her life. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want yours either. (laughs) Not because you said that, but because like, that's not, that's just not, that's not what I want right now. You know, I don't, there, there are people who, who've been looking at me during this pandemic thinking like, you're all by yourself or over there. Are you okay? And I'm like, you're in a house full of kids right now. Are you okay? (laughs) Are you all right? (laughs) like you, you it's have all people. about perspective. Like, yeah, like yeah, like you have yeah. left your it's husband in like a year. Are you all right? Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. You. It's just this, this power of you being okay and okay with who you are and what you do. And I think so many people aren't, and they're still grappling with their identity and who they are. And this inspiration that that we can bring, you know, through that self work. Um, something that you say that I really, really love, Giselle, is you already have everything you need to be who you were made to be. And I think that comes out in everything that you say and do. And it inspires the people who listen to your words to realize that there's a way of tapping out that potential. And it's just finding how to do it because it's in there. You know it's there deep down, but it's finding how to do it. So I'm going to ask you one last question before we go. And I'm so grateful to you. You've been amazing. We've talked so many things. It's been it's been phenomenal. I'd like to know when you discovered that you were everything that you were made to be. There was, and by the way, thank you so much for having me. I I wish we could hang out all day long and I need to come <laughs> visit you. <laughs> me too. Um, there was this moment. And I I specifically remember I was 23 and it was my birthday. I don't remember if it was actually the day or if it was just my birth week. Cause you know, 
back in, in my twenties, I felt like my birthday was like a whole month long celebration. After the weekend after that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, so 23. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at this cute little hotel in Santa Monica. I was living in LA at the time and it was called shutters on the beach. And they had these coconut mojitos that my roommate and I, at the time we would we would use it to to either celebrate or to try to manifest some goodness. And I just remember um, I had just found out that the guy who I had been dating was cheating on me the whole time. I had no idea where my next paycheck was going to come from because I I had just turned down um, a traditional like nine to five type of a, a job. Um, I, I think I had like negative money to my name. And I just remember this feeling almost like just the universe was, was shining down on me, just saying like, you're going to figure it out. Like you're going to figure it out. I know it doesn't make sense right now, but you're going to figure it out. And up until that point, my happiness had always come from validation or things, you know, or mm-hmm. achievement. My whole life, you know, for me, I, I am, I love the Enneagram scale. I am a three, I'm an achiever. Mm-hmm. And my whole life, that has been me. My whole, you know, from from basically the moment I was born to that time that I graduated, my schedule was packed. I always had somewhere to go. I was always working towards something, whether it was a class or an award or a crown or a, a number on the scale. I was always working towards something. And so here I was, you know, about to turn 23. And I think at that point, just out of university and taking the path that was less traveled and doing something completely crazy. And, and let me just say, there were so many moments at around after this point in time where I really want to go back and punch myself in the face because of just dumb things that I had done. But I just remember (laughs) that moment so vividly and feeling so sublimely happy. Like Mm -hmm. the universe has got me, like God's got me. I don't know what it is, but I just believe with all of my heart that I am meant for something that is bigger and I'm going to figure it out. And I remember distinctly having Mm -hmm. that thought on the beach and then the phone actually rang right after that. And right after that is when I had found out that I had booked a huge job um, that really did kind of start the domino effect of of what would change my life in terms of my career. But for me, um, the the greatest moments when I look back at my career, someone asked me the question recently, you know, what what has been the, the biggest breakthrough for you? The biggest breakthroughs have happened when I had nothing or when I felt like I had nothing, or when I had felt like I lost everything, mm-hmm. every single breakup, <laughs> every single breakup. So I, I mentioned even the fact that I just learned that the guy who I was dating, had I found out he was cheating on me. After every single breakup, yeah. whether it was a personal breakup, a friendship breakup, a romantic breakup, or a career breakup, those were always the biggest breakthroughs. So if you are mm. on the other side of uh, of just, you know, you're in that dark place, you're in that misery, you feel like you're stuck, you don't know what you're going to do next. That's actually a really beautiful place to be. Because at that point is when you can do whatever you want. And if you're not sure what you want, you can 
still do, (laughs) you know, whatever, whatever you're feeling pulled to. And so that, that was a, a, a major defining moment. And I know I experienced it early and thank goodness for that. But I also think that part of why I experienced it so early is because I went through a lot of stuff um, before then. You know, you think, oh, 23, what, what could you possibly know at 23? I didn't know very much, but I, at 23, knew new trauma, new pain, new depression, uh, new heartbreak. <laughs> and, and so for that, I think that I have been able to go through the roller coaster of emotions and dysfunction in, in a different way than, than some people who maybe they haven't had anything particularly devastating happen in their lives. And again, you don't need to have something devastating to be successful, not by any stretch of the word, but, um, but oftentimes we're most afraid of those devastations and those, those horrible, um, you know, trips of life, but those can actually be the the most challenging that just like a, a horrible workout, those are the best, you know, those, those are what, what, give you the muscles <laughs> to do what you need to do mm-hmm. physically, um, but also emotionally. It's crazy that you mentioned this because I heard something yesterday that I found fascinating and I'll share this with you before we go. Um, I, uh, before I do share it, I just want to say a million thank yous. You're just, you've been, in, I'm kind of fangirling over here. It's not very often I get a little bit <laughs> flustered, but I'm just loving it. She's got Wonder Woman in the background. Like, it's just amazing. Um, yeah, there's a, there's, a story or an experiment that Jay Shetty alluded to recently within an ecosystem and an ecosystem that had everything that was needed to to grow the vegetation, trees, etc. Um, everything was monitored down to the T, so water, the, the air quality, and trees got to a certain height and then they would fall over, they would collapse. And they were in this in this kind of created man-made ecosystem and it was really perplexing to everybody who was studying this that the trees would get to a certain weight and height and then they would fall over and they realized I don't know if you've heard this story Mm -mm, but they realized that there was um the problem was that there was no wind inside this structure which meant that the trees had never had to build resistance in their roots to ground them further isn't that phenomenal I find that absolutely phenomenal and I think that if we can learn to really bring the strength of our experiences into our present life and really learn from that kind of, you know, that growth through resistance and challenge and struggle to where we are today, then all of us can stand firmer, taller and stronger. And I think that's just such an amazing thing um, with the trees. Yeah. Um, That's a great story. It is a really good story. So Giselle, thank you so much. You have been Giselle. I have been Lucienne and we have been together to talk about That's What She Said. I hope you enjoy this episode and I can't wait to see you on the next one. Goodbye. Well, I'm sure you will agree that Giselle Ugarte brings with her a wealth of knowledge, strength, and just sheer determination to succeed. Her honesty and transparency are just so incredible, and I loved speaking with her. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I do. Join us next time on That's What She Said for more inspirational stories from women around the world.
thank you for joining us on another episode of That's What She Said. This is a phenomenal collective of female voices from around the world. And I'm sharing that to empower women to share our stories so that you know that you are not alone. I'm a woman who's gone through it all. Honestly, there is nothing you can tell me that I haven't heard before, either with my clients or through my own life journey. And we need to stop hiding behind a veneer of perfection. These stories are important and we need to share them loudly and proudly. And that's what we're doing on this series of That's What She Said. Thank you for joining us. I have been your host, Lucienne Shakir, and it has been an absolute pleasure to spend my time with these phenomenal women.